0: Praise God! Welcome again, everybody. If you're just joining us here, it's just a few seconds short of 10:10 Eastern Standard Time. Welcome to Antioch West Virtual Sunday morning, August 22nd, or oh, 23rd. I said 22nd, August 23rd, 2020. God bless you. I pray wherever you are, wherever you are watching us today, that you are safe, and to know that God's still on the throne. Uh, I am uh, challenged myself today. And uh, I want to share with you something that has been sort of a theme on Sundays and actually on um, Tuesday nights for the last couple of weeks. It, is never, it was never my intention um, to, to stick with a particular vein of thought. I really sincerely try to go to God every week and get fresh, fresh manna from heaven. And sometimes um, the menu stays the same, and God just keeps feeding the same thing uh, for a period of time. I feel like we're in that right now, because a couple of Sundays ago we talked about, and we used when the when the disciples fell asleep um, three times when Jesus was in the garden. If you remember, we talked about that. Jesus was in the garden; they just they fell asleep once. He came back, fell asleep twice. He came back, fell asleep three times, and finally he said, "Get up! It's enough." You know we talked about what that meant and sort of the idea that there needs to be uh, some of us, there needs to be an awakening where we can't allow ourselves to fall asleep. Uh, and then we followed up last week. We talked about the glass. Remember um, that we talked about holding out the glass and it really doesn't matter the weight of the glass, uh, but ultimately it's how long you hold it. And, and, but we talked about Peter saying, casting your cares, casting your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. but, You can't do that until you first do what the previous verse said, and that was to humble yourselves. And then the last couple of weeks on Ride at Home, especially, I'm not at Ride at Home, uh, uh, Tuesday Talks, we've been talking about this idea of lordship and kingship in our life. That if you want to live with authority and not just power, that you have to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you live under the lordship of Jesus Christ, you can therefore walk in the dominion of Christ. And this has sort of been the theme, and and it's not my intention to stay on this vein at all, but I feel like this is where God has a lot of us. And um, I feel like for a lot of us right now, and this 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 hit me this morning when I woke up, uh, I feel like that this describes somebody today. And I say somebody, I don't know how many it describes, but for some of you, this describes where you are. You are between a rock and a God place. You're between a rock and a God place, not a hard place, a God place. So I want to talk to you for a few moments today, and I'm going to get started early, um, not to rush things, but uh, I really desire to kind of get into this today and see where the Lord will take us. But I want to talk to you today about being stuck between a rock and a God place. Um, and so... Uh, Brother uh Brother Tino, this is a shout out to you. I'm hooking you up already with a title. Uh Brother Tino helps with our uh media stuff and so he's always asking me for a title cuz I'm terrible at giving titles. So I'm going to hook him up to more today with a title, being stuck between a rock and a god place. So let's get into some scriptures here if we can, build some foundation and then we're going to we're going to we're kind of take a little journey with Jesus today. And uh, before we do that, we're going to ask God as always to speak to our hearts. Uh, We're going to humble ourselves before him. We're going to ask God that he would open up our heart. Let's do some open heart surgery today on us, if he would. Father, we thank you today. I thank you for every person that is watching this morning, everybody that is connected with this broadcast, wherever they may be. And Lord, I also thank you for those that are watching after this is all done, wherever they may be. And, Lord, today we come before you. We humble ourselves before you. We submit ourselves to you today. Father, I pray that our hearts would be open. Lord, do some open-heart surgery on me today. Cut me open with your word. Let the sword of your word, let the sharpness of your word cut my heart today. Not for pain, but for progress. Not so that I can be wounded, but so that I can be transformed. Open me up today, God. If there's anything in me that needs to be revealed, let it be revealed. If there's anything in me, God, that needs that you need to show me, even if it's the dark places, the yucky places, the, the not-so-good places about me, Lord, show me that today because, God, it's my desire more than anything to be submitted to you. It's my desire more than anything to be connected to you. And so, Father, I pray today by the power of your Spirit, by the authority of your Word, that your word would go forth, that if it's my words, they mean nothing. If it's even just some good words spoken out of the Bible, that's nothing. But God, if it's your words, they have life, they have strength, they have power, they have the ability to transform because it's your words. I pray today that you would speak and you alone would speak in Jesus' name. Shut off Joel today, God, that you can speak. Don't let there be anything of me in what you're saying today, but let it all be from you In Jesus' name, we prepare our hearts to receive, we prepare prepare our eyes to be opened, we prepare our ears to hear what you are doing, what you're saying, and what you're showing us. In Jesus' name, praise God. Praise God. Amen. Let's get into it today. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, I'm going to read the back half of verse 34, because this is a extremely familiar passage of Scripture for a lot of us, but it's going to be sort of the place we start, and then we're going to kind of take a little journey past this as we get deeper into this. Remember, we're going to talk about when you're stuck between a rock and a God place. Because oftentimes we find we get stuck between a rock and a God place, meaning we can't go back, we can't go forward, we're stuck. Behind us is a rock, and in front of us is a God place, and we're stuck in the middle, and what we do and why God brings us there is what we want to kind of dig at today. Matthew, Mark chapter 8, I'm sorry, verse 34, the back half of the verse says this, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus was very clear from the very beginning. If you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow after me, discipleship is not going to be a buzzword Discipleship's not going to be a cool t-shirt. Discipleship's not going to be a bumper sticker you put on your car. But if you truly want to be a disciple and make discipleship a an identity and a lifestyle that you live by, and you truly are going to be you're going to be shaped in my image because that's what discipleship is about, right? Discipleship is not a destination. Discipleship is a journey. Discipleship is not necessarily what we're supposed to be about, but it's the tool in which we become more like Christ. So if you really want to be my disciple, here's the thing. It's going to have to start with something that we all don't really like to do, and that is deny yourself. And once you deny yourself, then you're going to have the ability to take up your cross, and then finally after that, then you can follow. So notice this. He bookends. He puts two bookends. If you want to come after me, if you want to follow me, there's something between... That you have to do. There's some prerequisites. A lot of people are trying to follow Christ without the first two things involved in that process: the denying of self, and ultimately the taking up the cross. We are living in a world again. I, I know it sounds sometimes like a broken record. A lot of you have heard me say this again, but come on, let's just talk about it one more time. It's worth it. We are living in a in the most self-driven world we have ever that has ever existed. There are more self-hyphenated words. Uh, I said this several weeks ago. There are more self-hyphenated words now in existence than ever. Self-image, self-help, self-discipline, uh, self-righteousness. I mean, self, 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 selfie, right? Everything. It's all self, self, self. And that's what we're about. And in, in one of the things and I, I don't want to get, I, I'm not a soapbox kind of guy. I don't want to get on a soapbox and just ram ram home a point. And I know there's varying opinion, opinions on this, and this is not a political platform. I'm not speaking politics. I'm not speaking policy. Um, I'm only talking specifically uh, about uh, pertaining to the spiritual aspect. So allow me to say this without getting some of you worked up going, ah, oh, my, my my rights, I'm an American. I have constitutional rights. Okay. But nothing, in I there's been, there's, It's been a while. Let me back up here and make sure I say this correctly. It's been a while since we've had a collective experience as a nation that has revealed more of our self identity than the COVID situation, Uh, varying degrees. I get it. Everybody on here and there's you talk to people on the streets. Everybody has an opinion on the severity of COVID. Some think it's nothing more than a common cold. Let's get over it. Others are convinced it's the second coming of the Black Death. Uh, But anyways, wherever you fall in that spectrum, the reality of it is it's here. The reality of it is the government has stepped in. Whatever your political place and all that is, that's between you and the person looking at you in the mirror. However, very few things we've been through in the last period of time has, has challenged self more than this covid thing because there's one thing and I don't know if you're watching from outside of America today uh forgive me for a moment to talk to the american attitude but one thing that the american attitude breeds and we sort of as the american our american identity uh sort of breeds is this idea that we are a nation where Anything's possible. We have this American dream, and if you if you work hard enough, you can achieve anything. And it's sort of this idea that no person can keep me down. I am an American. I have my rights. I can do anything, yada, yada, yada. Because in reality, anytime that's challenged, we sort of struggle. Don't forget, and I know, again, let's go back for a minute. I understand. I'm going to make a statement, and even though I know that it's not a completely 100% factual statement. There's a lot of variables to this. But we were a nation founded out of rebellion. We called it a revolution. The British called it a rebellion. Whatever side of the corn you want, there's a part of it. We were, you know, no, we're not going to be held down anymore by the British. We called it a revolution. The British said it was a rebellion. Uh, But no matter what, we were founded on the idea that we weren't going to be told what to do. Now, there was our founding fathers put God as the supreme authority, at least in principle, uh, for this nation. And again, don't toot me out here. I'm not not getting on the American bandwagon for a minute. I'm just trying to make a point. But our founding fathers put on this framework that God was the supreme. Uh, My son was looking at a dollar bill the other day, and he was reading, uh, I presume for the first time maybe in his life, he's eight years old, he was reading the things on the back of a dollar bill and he came across the statement in God we trust and he read that he's like in God we trust and he said well why does the money say in God we trust so we had a a moment of history we had a history lesson but let's be honest and I don't remember who who was the person who did it but whoever designed that dollar bill I I can't remember my history is a little fuzzy in that area but whoever designed that dollar bill and scripted those words in God we trust, I believe when they wrote that they probably did have some kind of sincerity in placing that word on our dollar bill that makes the statement at, at the thing that is the most important to all, uh, to the existence of America, which is our which is our currency, what we're built upon, the finances of this country, the wealth of this country, on that very thing we're going to stamp the words in God we trust. Uh, And so whoever put that on there in their intent, I believe it was sincere. But we're now several hundred years or we're into this thing. And uh, sitting here at 2020, I have to admit, if you look at the current framework of politics, if you look at the current framework of our world, our nation as a whole, we are a lot, we have drifted far, 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 far away from those words inscripted on the dollar bill, in God we trust. Our founding fathers desired to have God supreme. But at the core of that, there was this desire that we were going to to stand up against those that were trying to dictate how we were going to live. And so this whole idea of the American dream was sort of built in that. And there's a lot of positive things about that. We are a country of freedom. We're a country where people can find Uh, the freedom to worship, the the freedom to express themselves even though we may not all agree on that expression. We are living in a country where you are free to be you you're free to be of uh, you're free to be of any um gender you're free to be of any religion there's freedom and sometimes freedom is good and sometimes freedom allows certain things to come but it's a part of the price we pray for freedom. There may be things about freedom and the things that freedom allows that I don't agree with, but I can't argue with the fact that we are all free to do and to be what we want to be in this country, within reason, obviously. But that being said, and I mean all that, not to get onto a civics lesson, and I'm not here today to bring you a political speech. God knows we have enough of that, and we haven't even started, seeing that we're now vastly approaching November 2020, and I'm sure the next couple of months are going to be fun. But that being said, there's something birthed in us. There's a spirit, and I want to go as strong as I say a spirit, and I don't mean a spirit like ooh spooky ooh spirit. I'm talking about there's this there's this identity that's even so strong that it's even got into our it's 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 got embedded into who we are. It's almost like rewritten some of our DNA. That if you're born in this country, you're born with this attitude that I am in charge of my life and I am going to be the one that dictates my life. Because if you go back and you look at the framework in which this verse was written, it's actually kind of ironic because when Jesus made this statement to the people he was making at that time, he was making it to a group of people that were not under the freedom that we exist today. Because when he says to them, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, There is something about that I think to them sounded a lot more familiar than it would be to us today. Because when I say to you today as an American, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Christ. We love the follow Christ part. We like that. That sounds good. That's like the cherry on top of the sundae. We like that. But we kind of choke on the bones a little bit of the deny yourself. and We kind of skip through that. Take him to your cross. You know, deny yourself. Take him across. your Follow him. We like that. We love that part, but we don't really like those prerequisites. And and, and because we don't like him, we sort of, uh, how can we say this? We sort of, we have found ways to make that better. I remember years ago, this is a funny little story. My daughters, all my kids really, but my da- my middle daughter, Charity especially, she uh she got terribly still a little bit today but when she was little she got really car sick i mean if we're on a trip something was going it was going down she just got car sick well my son was born he was he was only a few months old and so we were going to go on vacation at the time my uh in-laws were living in florida and so we were going to go down to florida and be with them for a week or so and so um, instead of flying with an infant um i mean driving well, was about fourteen hours with an infant uh we decided my wife would fly down with 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 my son, who was only a few months old, and I would be the one to drive down with uh what at the time would have been probably what about a five year old five and a half year old and a two and a half year old, maybe six and three. I guess maybe at the time they were about six and three. So, I was going to drive down with a six and three year old. I think that's probably a safer number on the way down there. So, we get in the car, uh, we leave early in the morning, and um, we, uh, we we um, we we uh, they're still in their PJs, so they're sleeping. So I, I'm I'm making good time. They're sleeping. Well, they finally woke up. I think we we're somewhere down Interstate 95. We were somewhere in Virginia. We might have reached North Carolina by the time they woke up. We were somewhere in that age. It's not, it's not the point. So they started to get up. and I knew my wife had said, hey, listen, when Charity wakes up and she's awake, make sure you give her some um, Dramamine, some non-drowsy Dramamine. We had these little tablets. Um, give her half a pill because if you don't, I mean, she's going to throw up. So I'm like, okay, all right, I get it. Um. And, uh, so we're, we're driving. And so she just wakes up and I'm like, okay, well, we got to stop. So we stopped at probably one of the greatest places in the history of all mankind. I mean, it's a five-star restaurant of great, great, uh, um, accolades. And that is the Waffle House. And I'm actually not joking. Cause I know some of you are like, oh, that's terrible. I'm telling you, I don't know what your opinion is, but the Waffle House is where it's happening. God help us, they don't have a Waffle House where we are right now. I have prayed and fasted and sought the the hand of God for many years, but God has not seen fit to bring that manna into this area. So the closest Waffle House to where I live is about an hour away. But by God, when we go out of town, I'm looking for one, because I'm telling you what, it's just a good place to eat. Um, I don't and I don't know about anything else on the menu. So if you're a Waffle House person and and you're throwing up, listening to me, I can't testify to anything else on the menu because I've only eaten one thing from the Waffle House and that is waffles. It is called the Waffle House. So if you're going to the Waffle House and you're buying something else, that's on you. That's like going to a donut shop and and buying a sandwich. You don't go to Dunkin' Donuts to get a flatbread. You go to Dunkin' Donuts to get a donut. I don't care their flatbread tastes like cardboard with cheese. It's terrible, but you got to get a donut. It's called Dunkin' Donuts. You don't go to a steakhouse and order fish. You don't go to a seafood place and order steak. You don't go to a burger place and get pizza. It's called that for a reason. I wasn't very anointed, but it felt good. So anyways, the Waffle House. We get in the Waffle House. Two girls are sitting there, and I get them their waffle. And they, and they were little at the time, so we got one of their waffles. They're about that big, and I split it in half, gave one to Hope and one to Charity. And I'm like, all right, got to get this pill in her. So I got, I, I got it. I can outsmart a three-year-old. Come on, man. I'm, I'm smart. I can outsmart a three-year-old. So I, started, I broke the pill in half. And I'm like, hey, Charity, look over there. There's Barney. Look at the door. And she's like, you know, three years old. She's looking around. And I took the pill and I put it in the waffle. And I'm like, she's going to eat that waffle. Well, unbeknownst to me, my six-year-old saw the whole thing. So, little three-year-old Charity is about to take this waffle and take this pill, which she doesn't want to take, but I know she needs to take, because if she doesn't take it, it's not going to be good. And I'm not, I'm just, you know, I'm dad, I'm not mom. Moms, you guys are awesome. The stuff you have to clean up, the stuff you have to take care of, I mean, there ain't nothing stronger than a mom. I'm a dad. We dads don't have that same steel determination. And so, we dads have limits. And one of my limits is the stuff that comes up. And sometimes the stuff that comes out. But especially the stuff that comes up. I don't do so good with that stuff. And I knew, man, if I don't get this in her, this is going to be bad. So I put it in the waffle. And I didn't know my six-year-old was watching. So Charity's eating away. And I'm like, yes, come on there. Get that piece. I had it in one of the pieces. It was dripped with butter and syrup. I'm like, she's never going to hit. I mean, she's going to just taste it. And she puts it in her mouth. And she goes... And I could tell something was off and she knew it was off. Well, instead of encouraging her, like, oh, charity, keep eating. Get it," My six-year-old rats it out and goes, No, Charity, don't do it. There's something in there. It's a pill. You don't want it. You don't want it. And so Charity spits it out. Well, once she spits it out, guess what? The trick was revealed because you could see the pill in the waffle. And that's all a three-year-old needed was to see, uh-uh, I ain't doing it. Nice try, Big Daddy, but you're not putting that pill in me. And Lord knows. I was in trouble because now my technique was ratted out. So she wasn't going to trust anything the rest of the day that I gave her to eat because she thought everything had something in it. Thank you to my oldest daughter for doing that because guess what? We got in the car 45 minutes later. Yep, you know it. Don't have to finish that story. You know what happened. And so learn the hard way. I say all that to say that sometimes denying yourself And taking up your cross is a very difficult pill to swallow. So you know what we've done? We've made spiritual waffles, and we've put on butter and syrup, and we have just... Added all kinds of sweet, cushiony, nice, beautiful things to us because we know that people don't want to taste it, so we're going to make it real sweet and real tasty. And here, have this. Oh, have the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you, and all that's true. But really, there's a reality of this, and I, I the Lord's been dealing with me about this personally. Joel, Joel, talk about. I'm talking about myself for a second. But I do. I believe in the love of God. Yes. Do I believe in the in the personal nature of Jesus Christ, yes. Do I believe that God loves you? Does I believe God has this desire for intimate connection with you? Do I believe God loves you where you are? Do I, yes, do I believe God is? Uh, he wants to be a friend to you? Do I believe he's a loving and kind and long-suffering and, and patient? All those beautiful attributes that we call about God, all the things that we write about God that are so descriptive and beautiful— Absolutely. However, the problem with that is we've talked about that so much that in that we have forgotten the sovereignty of God. I know the personalness of Jesus Christ. I know the love of Christ. I know the forgiveness and the patience of Christ and the grace and mercy of Christ. But I cannot miss the sovereignty of Christ because it wasn't just simply the love that sent him to the cross, but it was his sovereignty that God so loved the world that he... He gave his only begotten son. That who should ever believe him shall not perish. In that verse we have the love that drove him. But the sovereignty of the reason why. He came in love so that we would not perish. Because the sovereignty of God brings brings the fact that we as sinners shall perish. But the love of Christ has put us to the point that while we were yet sinners, Christ died with us, that's given us the way out of that way. Because the Bible says in Romans, the wages of sin are death. So we understand the fact that, listen, the sovereignty of God says there's punishment, but the love of Christ says there's grace and mercy. But we can't just have the grace and mercy without understanding the sovereignty. Because if we just talk about God's grace and his mercy and he loves and loves and loves and loves, but we never understand his sovereignty, then there's no reason for us to understand the framework by which he loves. He loves you like you are, but he also loves you too much to leave you like you are. You miss it. Don't, 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 don't check out on me. I'm going to back up the boat one more time. I'm going to come around the dock and pick you up. Because here's the point. A lot of us, when we just focus on the love of Christ and the mercy and grace of Christ, that's awesome. Nothing wrong with that. But if we lose the sovereignty of God, then we can live with the fact, well, God loves me like I am. So it doesn't matter what my life's like. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter the fact I can do what I want, say what I want, go where I want to go. It doesn't matter. God doesn't care. He loves me like I I am. Is that true? There's parts to that. That's true. Absolutely. There is truth. God loves you just like you are no doubt. But the problem is, that's not a full statement, because he loves you like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like you are. Why? Because that's both sides of Jesus Christ. That's the love of Christ, but it's also the sovereignty of Christ. Now, there's some that all they want to talk about is the sovereignty of Christ, God, right? Sovereignty of God. And God's this sort of hammer and, and gavel kind of God, where he's up there waiting for, to, to wreak havoc and judgment on anything. Oh, bad thought guilty. Oh, bad thought. Guilty. Oh, bad deed. Guilty. Oh, you oh, bad, bad word. Guilty. Oh, you watch something bad, bad. That's not God. That that that's void of the love of God. So someone who just talks about the sovereignty of God, they get a they get such a distorted sort of legalistic idea who God is because they don't understand the love of God. But then on the other side, it's those who understand the love of God and have this desire for the love of God, but if you miss out on the sovereignty of God, then God becomes this sort of wishy-washy, anything goes, it doesn't matter, be who you are, you be you, express yourself, because God is just this God who's up there going, hey everybody, I love my Kids. I love my three children. There's a love for them, but there's also a sovereignty in my relationship with them. They know that their mother and I love them, but they also know there's another side to that love. There's a sovereignty to that love because there's sometimes because we love, we say enough's enough. No more. You're not going to do that. It's time do this, go to bed, brush your teeth, these things, that's a part of our sovereignty. Sovereignty and love are not separate. They're actually one and the same. We've separated them, but God is one. There's no separation. There's not a sovereign God and a loving God. It is the same. And the place where sovereignty and love meet is the cross of Calvary. Oh, come on, folks. I'm, I don't know about you. This this is come on. Woo! This is a this is a mind expanding stuff right now. Someone needs to hear what I'm saying, not because I'm speaking it, God's trying to get somebody to hear it. This is not the words of a man. Someone needs to hear. It. Your mind God's trying to change the way you think about him. The place, the intersection between sovereignty and love, is Calvary, because it was on Calvary where sovereignty and love found the bridge. In the Old Testament, we found a sovereign God, right? We found a God of judgment. We found a God that you had to go into the temple, you had to do these things, because God was a sovereign God. But God was also a God of love. But in the Old Testament, He never truly had a way to express that love. But the problem was He could not express that love and remove His sovereignty, so He had to get to love without losing sovereignty and the only way to bridge love and sovereignty was on the cross of Calvary Woo! my goodness I'm about to get up and run around this table because someone needs to understand we can't dismiss the sovereignty of God and only talk about the love, but we can't just talk about the sovereignty of God when I understand the love of God. And you're like, well, how do I do that? That's why the cross of Calvary answered everything because it was the cross of Calvary that we saw sovereignty and love become one. I know people, man, all they want to do is talk about the Old Testament. And I'm not talking about the fact, I mean, I love the Old Testament because there's a lot of Hebraic roots. That's the that's the foundation the whole the Old Testament points to Christ. You can't understand the new without the framework of the Old Testament. I'm getting in some theology for a second, but let me have it for a moment. You can't understand the new without understanding the old. The people that only want to understand go to the New Testament without the understanding of the Old get distorted in their interpretation. I said this to the other an individual we were talking the other day. The Bible was not designed to be interpreted from the from looking back. The Bible is designed to be interpreted looking forward, meaning if you don't start at Genesis and look through Revelation, you'll never see the true understanding and the interpretation of the Bible. But if you start from Revelation and look back to Genesis, you're going to get a different viewpoint that's not true. So, There's a lot of people, though, that all they want to do is talk about the Old Testament. They want to talk about the kings in the Old Testament, the way God judged the Old Testament, and the way God did this in the Old Testament, and God was this, and God struck this person down, and God spoke to this person, and Israel obeyed, and this is what God did. Is that true? 100%. Yeah, it's in there. It's in the Bible. God was, I mean, God was no joke. In the Old Testament, God was, God was no joke. I mean, you, I mean, woo, there's some stuff in the Old Testament, brother. Man, oh man. God was no joke the way he handled things in the Old Testament. And, and we want to talk about that. I mean, God did this in the Old Testament. In the book of Huckabah, uh, Huckabah, he said this. And on the verse, 13. it was, it, uh, but that's all they want to talk about. The problem with that is, if I ever focus on that aspect of God, I forget about the love of Christ. The love of Christ constraineth me. That's what Paul said. Paul was a great example of someone who understands sovereignty and love. But then there's all these people that want to get into the New Testament and talk about, all oh, the New Testament, New Testament is this, and New Testament is about promise and prosperity and what God wants to do for you. And, oh, and, you, know, go, get, you know, New Testament is just freedom and no more law. And then people that say, well, there's no law left in the New Testament because God did away with the law, and it's all about grace. The problem is if you lose the law, you lose the sovereignty. And if you lose sovereignty, you lose the essence of who God is. So if you want to get rid of the law... And again, I'm not talking about the parameters of the law from the standpoint, you know, it says, you know, the, if, if someone steals something, you cut their arm. I'm not talking about the parameters. I'm talking about the principle, the essence of the law. Okay? Uh, we don't go to the temple anymore. We don't, we don't, we don't sacrifice animals in that aspect of the law. But we have not lost the essence and the principle of the law. Jesus said, I have not come away. I have not come to, 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 uh, uh, uh To to get rid of the law, I've come to fulfill the law. What I believe part of that statement was is, I have not come... To get rid of the law, but I've come to show you the other side of the law, because the Romans talked about the fact that it. it, But those are saved. We don't don't, no longer live and saved by the law. Does that mean that that God's sovereignty is gone? No, but we're no longer saved through sovereignty. We're saved through grace. We're saved through mercy. We're saved by the love of Christ. But we can't have those things in our life if we don't understand the sovereignty of God. Ooh, I'm out here today. I don't even know how I got out here. I didn't even get past my first scripture here. God knows. And this is a huge important thing because in our world today, and especially in the Christian world today, there's such a debate and there's such a separation because it seems like we have two sides of a coin. We have those who just want to talk about the love of Christ and we still have some that always go back to the sovereignty of God and, and we were dismissing the fact of Calvary. Calvary was not just a place of redemption. We say, oh Calvary, I was saved at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. That song is great. But the problem with that song is it makes the cross and Calvary seem like a one time event. That I go to the cross. I say hey to Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me. Now I'm on to something else. But here in this verse, Jesus is talking about something that if you want to follow me, I am love. Later on John says in his epistle God is love. If you want to follow me, if you want me, if you want to come after me and follow me, if you want the benefits of intimacy, if you want the benefits of love, if you want the benefits of connection, if you want the benefits of relationship, if you want the benefits that come with being my disciple, the grace, the mercy, the peace, the joy, the, the happiness, all the things that happen, here's the first step. You've got to go back to my sovereignty. My sovereignty says you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross daily, not just one time. Because Paul later on tells us really what it means to take up your cross. Because Paul says, I die daily. Meaning, Paul says, every day I go back to the cross where sovereignty and love meet. I go back to the place where sovereignty and love meet. That's the cross. So if I don't have a daily visit to the cross, if I don't have a daily visit of denying myself and taking up my cross to follow him, and I don't come to the place where sovereignty and love meet, then I start to drift one way or the other. I drift. The old song was a drift away. Give me a beat boy and free my soul. Drift away, drift away. Drift away? That's what we're doing. That's some of your theme song. Drift away. Oh, drift away. You're drifting. You're drifting towards the love of Christ. You're drifting towards the sovereignty of Christ. Right? And you talk to some people and you you can tell which way they're drifting. Because some people love, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm God loves me. It doesn't matter that my life is out of control. It doesn't matter that God, you know, I do my own thing and make my own choices and God has no say in my life cuz God is love he's not going to punish me i'm i can do what i want cuz god loves me like i am and God bless you for that. And there's people over here that drift to the sovereignty of God. My God, it sounds like God is the is the is the the you know the 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 KGB, the 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 the, the CIA, the FBI, all these secret agencies wrapped in one. That God's sitting there all the time taking track, keeping score. And my God, if I don't have them every day on point, you know, whew, if I slip up one time, prepare for the wrath of God. I mean the. The both the lightning's about to come out of heaven and get me. Do I want to be original or extra crispy today? What's my choice? Because God's about to zap me and shoot me with fire because the sovereignty of God. And so we have those who drift towards that. And both are wrong. I'm sorry. Both sides are wrong if you only focus. And that's why you have to always come back to this thing called the cross. And that's why Jesus said... I have a cross, but you have to fellowship with me in cross. That's why suffering is this place that we all try to avoid. But suffering in our life is so important. You cannot get past suffering if you think... When you come to Christ and you come to walk with Jesus, that life is going to be perfect, and you're never going to have to suffer, and you're never going to have to go through anything, and life's going to be wonderful and tubes and wonderful and 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 plucking your heart on the on the uh, clouds and the marshmallow clouds of heaven, and that's going to be what God wants for you. You're missing out because there's a part of walking with God. There's suffering built into the equation. Why? Because it's suffering that keeps us reminded of the cross. Because why is the cross so important? The cross so important to remind me, Joel, you are such a bad person. You're so bad. You just are a bad, 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 bad. No, God's not trying to just bring condemnation in my life all the time, saying, I just want to remind you today, Joel, that you're bad and you really need me. So you better act up and ship right because you know what? Because you're a bad guy. That's not God. He loved me. He died for me when I was a sinner. He didn't die for me because I was bad. He died for me because he could see me for good. That's why he died for me. So he's not going to come back and say, well, you know what? You're so bad today and you're just a bad person. Bad, 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 bad. Bad, bad, Leroy, bad, baddest man in the whole town. That's not the point. That's not what God's about. However, why does he bring me back consistently to this cross thing? Why is he trying to get me to say, hey, you can't negate the cross. Don't forget the cross because he wants me to remind it all the time. That there is a balance in my life between sovereignty and love. And neither one of them alone can stand. They have to be together. There has to be a relationship. And the only place I can find that is at the cross. At the cross. At the cross where I see the bridge of sovereignty, of sovereignty and love. That's the place where it comes together. We can't negate the cross we can't we can we, we can't just get to the follow Christ because there's so many beautiful things, right? Follow me if anyone can come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. oh man, I love it right People say I'm a follower of jesus christ i'm a I'm a follower of christ, Christ follow that's awesome, wonderful, I want to be a disciple. I love that. The problem with that is you can't get to the love without first understanding the sovereignty because without sovereignty. There's no framework for love. And without and without love, there's no understanding of sovereignty. The Bible says, I believe it's, uh, oh Lord, forgive me here. I think it's in Hebrews. <clears throat> Is it Hebrews? Oh, forgive my reference here. I might be off. But you can find it if you have a concordance. The Bible says, for those that he loves, he chastens. Wow. Think about that. Those that he loves, he disciplines. That word, Jason, means he disciplines. He corrects. Whoa! That, I don't know why I'm on this today. This is just completely, I was all excited too. I had a title and stuck between God and a rock and a God place. And God says, yeah, that was great. Now let's go somewhere else. So here we are again. Yeah. Uh Thank you, Lord, for that. Maybe I should change the, Change the title from uh, uh, Between a Rock and a God Place to uh, uh, the, the Bridge of Love and Sovereignty. I have no idea. I'm going to stop. This is why I stopped giving titles. You see, Brother Tino, this is why I don't give titles. Because it never work out. But the Bible says those who he loves, he chastens. He disciplines. That doesn't sound right to me. Wait a minute. That's not the kind of God I thought I was signing up for. I was told he's a God of love. I was told he was a God who, um, who cared about me. I was told a God who wanted to heal me. I was told he was a God that wanted to stick closer than a brother. I was told that he was a God that was not touched, that was touched by the feelings of my infirmities, that when I hurt, he hurt. When I cried, that's what I was told he was the kind of God he was. You are right! Because that's the love of Christ. You're right, one hundred percent. No one, to, whoever told you that was telling the truth. The problem was there's another side because there is still the sovereignty of God. So if I say to you today, God loves you and he 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 wants to he wants you uh, to to he wants to heal you and he wants to take away the pain and the emptiness and the hopelessness and the depression and all the things that you're carrying in your life. He wants to be that for you. Am I telling the truth? Yes, absolutely. But I cannot sit here today and not tell you that there's going to, there's not going to be another side of God. I find it all the time with people that first come to God. If we first come to God, we get, we get enriched with the love of Christ. But there's something that happens in that first six months to a year, depending on how long it takes, sometimes early, sometimes later, where you see people in their first beginning, their journey with Jesus Christ, that there's this euphoric love of Christ, man. They're just basking in the love. Nothing's greater than the love of God. The love of God is the greatest thing ever. I just can't get enough of it. And that's true. Not knocking that at all. But then there's something that happens somewhere in your walk with God because then you come to the sovereignty of God. Because God says, okay, now I've shown you my love, but I'm also going to show you my sovereignty. And the Bible says he disciplines, chastens, corrects those that he loves. You know what the flip side of that verse is? You know, you can take a verse and flip it, and still keep the true principle of the verse, but it has a different it, it's it just has a it, it 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 just hits you differently. So the Bible says those that He loves, He chastens, He disciplines, He corrects. Which means if God's not disciplining you, correcting you, or challenging you, then ultimately it's because you've stopped letting God love you. You're like man, God is always just so easy. I mean, th- God never does it. I mean, my life is so so easy, yeah, the problem with that is is that if God never is telling you no, God's never working on you, you're never being challenged, that's not a sign of favor, my friend, that may be a sign of disconnection, so what you you see the devil lied to you and said because you're you're living in this freedom you knew people call oh i got this newfound freedom in god man everything i do god doesn't care i can do whatever i want because god loves me so much and he just thinks i'm the greatest and i'm his first cousin and i'm god's favorite and we just have this tight relationship it doesn't matter what i do where i go god is just loving me he loves me he loves me And God never, never convicts me. He never challenges me because he's just love. You've fallen to a great, great place of deception. Because you cannot have love and truly have Christ without sovereignty. And the place where we find love and sovereignty come together is the bridge of Calvary. Look at that verse again. He said... If anyone come after me he let them deny, take your cross, follow me. Now, started talking about this in the beginning. We kind of got on the sidetrack here between the love and sovereignty thing. But the people he was talking to at the time, you got to get their frame. You've got to get their mindset. These were not free people. They had some semblances of freedom, but it was a negotiated freedom. Because they were under the Roman rule. And if you know anything about Rome... Rome controlled everything. If you were a province of Rome, everything was dictated by Rome, and everything was for the good of Rome, and Rome was everything, and the emperor was God. He was worshipped as God, he was believed to be God. And so you could do very little in a Roman province without Rome having a say in it. The Jews at the time had negotiated a little bit with the Romans. That the Romans basically had an agreement that the Jews could self govern themselves. They could be allowed to continue to worship in their temple. They could do some self governing as long as they sort of didn't get too far away from the Rome. Authority and Rome ultimately had the final say. That's how we find it plays out. We find this play out in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Uh, there was a, there was a combination of Jewish and Roman connection to finally bring Jesus to a cross. We find it later when Paul was in Corinth. We find the Jews taking their case to the Roman proconsul uh, in Corinth. Uh, we find this ultimately played out throughout the New Testament, this combination between Rome and even the Jewish community, or Rome and believers in a whole. So when Jesus says to these people, hey, take up your cross, and deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, yeah, there was there was definitely some strength to that statement to those that are watching, no doubt. But I'm not sure if they got the same message that you and I get today, because it's when you grew up in that society, you really grew up in maybe three categories. You grew up as a citizen of Rome, and if that was the case, then boy, you had you had it made. If you're a citizen of Rome. And we find later on in Scripture, Paul, the citizenship that Paul had, being a Roman citizen, it was a huge bonus to the expansion of his ministry. If he was not a Roman citizen, uh, there would have been some darker days, and more than likely Paul would have never been able to have the influence he had if it wasn't for that passport he carried, so to speak, of being a Roman citizen. So there was the citizens of Rome, then there was this other side that it was slavery, and you were either a you were either Roman citizen or you were a slave. And then there was this sort of third category that was kind of lost in the middle, and that was sort of these conquered people. They weren't slaves, but they weren't Roman citizens, so they were kind of living in this in between state. Uh, they didn't have the full rights of a Roman citizen, but yet they weren't dictated by a slave uh, like like slavery. But they were kind of stuck in the middle. And so that's the group that Jesus was addressing was the group that was sort of stuck in the middle. So when you were living at that time as a Jewish uh, individual, when you were growing up and you were looking towards your future, your frame of reference was very narrowed because you knew there were certain things you could and certain things you could not do. There were certain things you were going to be able to achieve. There were certain things that were going to be out of the question. You knew growing up, you're going to have to pay taxes to Caesar. You knew there were going to be a temple tax that you owed as being a part of a uh, in your Jewish, uh, in your Jewish, um, um, rights as part of who you were in your faith. There was a temple tax, but there's also this tax you had to pay to this guy named Caesar and you have no choice. And if you didn't do that, that was bad news. And Jesus comes along and says, oh, by the way, uh, you know, give things to Caesar that belong to Caesar. Give things to God that belong to God. You you know, I'm not coming here so you don't have to pay your taxes. Thank you, IRS, but Jesus is not going to save you from your tax bill. So you have to understand the framework of that. So when he says to them, you know, die yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Yeah, there was some difficulty to this because we find in Luke, you know, one guy's like, you know, I want to follow you, but I got to go bury. I got to go bury my, my I got to go bury my loved one. And Jesus said, hey, you know, let the dead bury the dead. And there was another guy that says, you know, um, you know, I want to follow you, but I've just bought some land and I need to go over and prove the land. And it's just, you know, and, and we find that there was still... <laughs> Plenty of excuses being made. Sorry about that. Plenty of excuses being made that we can find some uh, similarity to in our world today. However, this verse really hits us today as Americans because we are built on an independent, self um, reliant attitude. If they ever redesign the American flag and they get rid of the stars and stripes, they should, re- they should design the American flag with the silhouette of a selfie. Which is simply a person holding a phone with the silhouette of a head with an arm extended and a phone. Because that has epitomized the attitude of our current world. This is a very me-centric, self-centric world that we are now and in everything we do from social media to television to m- news to media to everything that we're in- inundated with usually feeds that it feeds it it feeds it i mean nowadays you can't even what's really sad most people can't even go do a good deed for a neighbor or a f- person in need without videoing it and then later posting it on facebook posting on Instagram, posting on YouTube. When What happened to just doing something for the sake of doing it, not to see how many likes? There's a guy, I don't know his name, I don't even know. I came across him on YouTube the other day. He goes and, and, and gives things out to homeless. And the stuff he gives is phenomenal. He gives them meals and groceries. But the whole time he's doing it, he's filming himself. And he posts it. I don't understand that. Do it. Take care of that. If that's what your burden is, go do it. But don't, don't share it with everybody. But that's where our world is. So when we talk about denying ourselves and taking up our cross, that is a big pill to swallow. That's the charity trying to take the pill, swallow, that we have to deal with today in America. Because God's asking a lot of you today, if you want to follow me, you're missing some steps. You've got to deny yourself you got to get out of the self mode and get into me mode. You've got to get your eyes off of you and get your eyes on me. You've got to get your eyes off of your dreams and let me give you my dreams. you got to get your eyes off of your identity and let me give you my identity. You've got to do that. You've got to deny yourself. And oh, by the way, you've got to get to this cross place but the cross is not a place of despair the cross is not a place that you all look at with such oh who wants to go to a cross you see the beauty of the cross is the cross is a place where you can truly see sovereignty and love come together don't run from the cross my friend because you will never truly get the revelation of sovereignty and love until you're face to face with the cross So we have deny yourself, that's the sovereignty. Follow me, that's the love. But in the middle between the sovereignty and love, there's that bridge. Take up the cross. The cross of Calvary was not a one-time thing that you go to just to find a salvation at the foot of the cross. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. No, no. The cross of the Calvary is a place I visit every day. But because it, it's the cross of Calvary that reminds me that I serve a God of love, but also serve a God that's sovereign. I serve a God who cares about me, who wants to heal me, who wants to take me, but also serve a God who's sovereign when i find these two meet it's not a place of prison it's a place of freedom it's not a place because you know what when i when i when I live outside of the parameters of the sovereignty of God and I'm all about the love of God, I am a sheep roaming the world with no pen. I can go wherever I want to go, do whatever I want to do, but the problem with that is when I don't allow the shepherd to put some parameters in my life, I as a sheep can't see the cliff that's just off of the horizon that I am going for that looks like the never ending green pastures of love and pleasure, but knowing that there's a cliff. But when the sovereignty of God says you can walk over here, but don't cross this line. I don't look at that, and I don't bleat and go back. Just saying, I don't like this. I go yes, because I know that if the sovereignty of God has stepped in, He's only stepped in because the love of Christ has brought the sovereignty of Christ into me. Oh, God help us today. Somebody, I'm telling you, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. Somebody, your mind is being changed. Revel- the revelation is happening to you because you have been trying to resist the sovereignty of God because you didn't understand why the sovereignty of God was there. You think the sovereignty of God is so, I don't want God, He's so, why don't I, that's the hardness. Dog. No, it's not the harshness of God. It's not the meanness of God. It's not the hammer of God. But the love of God requires sovereignty because... Because it's the sovereignty of God that says, there's a line, don't cross it. Not because I don't want you to have freedom, but don't cross that line because there's a cliff on the other side of that line. And because I love you, I want to keep you from that cliff. But instead of just loving you and say, hey, come back over here, we got a brand new dog. We're trying to train him a little bit. He's only nine weeks old. We can call his name all he wants. Little fella has no clue what his name is. We can say, Oh, Shadow. Woo, Shadow. We come over here, Shadow. Shadow is, Shadow is lost in his shadow. Brother doesn't know anything of going on, had no clue what we're saying because he doesn't know his name yet. But there's going to be a point in time where he'll understand who he is and he'll understand who he's, whose he is. He'll belong to us. We are sovereign in shadow's life because there's going to be a point in time where shadow is about to get into something that's going to hurt him and we're going to say, shadow, no, stop. Boom. So you know what we do with old Shadow? When Shadow doesn't like it, Shadow kicks against the bricks. We put Shadow on a leash. Why? Not because we don't love him. My God, if you came to our house, you'd think we're raising an infant. I mean, between my wife and my kids, I mean, the dude hasn't, his his paws haven't hit the ground in a week. The guy just gets all kinds of love and carried and just, ooh, he's the greatest thing ever. He's having the time of his life. He doesn't like it, though, when we say, okay, Shadow, you can get down, but here's the parameters, buddy. You're going to get down. You're going to be on the leash. You can't go off this leash because, not because we don't love you, but we're going to get you on the leash because we do love you. Because there's things in this house that if you got in, it's going to hurt you. That guy doesn't like it. Man, you talking about he has a wail, a flip, a whine, a cry, and a bark as if the guy is literally, I mean, you would think we were torturing this poor dog because he doesn't understand yet. Our love, he wants. He wait, 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 wait. What, what happened to the petting? What happened to the belly scratching? What happened to the fact I, he lays on his belly and puts his paws in the air, or scratch my belly? He loves that, but he doesn't like that leash. But you know what? The love is why we do the leash. But you know what? If we ever if we did the leash with no with no love, if we did the leash and we never petted him, given him some belly scratches, carried him around, played with him, and he only knew the life on the leash, he would resent the touching. He would resent the love. He would resent the tenderness because he would only look at you us as these evil people that keep me chained up and I can't get away. But because there's a balance between love and sovereignty in our house with this new animal that we're living with is that, you know what, there's times where he doesn't like it and he barks and yelps, so he finally gets tired and whimpered out and falls to the ground and falls asleep. And when he gets back up, he's just as sweet as can be. And when you put him, when you finally want to pet him, he comes over and he'll just sit with you for, for as long as you want to hold him because he understands there's love, but he also understands there's sovereignty. You know what, maybe God has put you, forgive me, and this is a weird example, Maybe sometimes we don't like the fact that God puts us on a leash and says, uh, you're not going to go, you can't go past this perimeter. This is as far as you can go. We're like, and we're flannel around and like, you know, this is, and man, you know, if you came in our house and you heard that dog, you'd be like, my God, they're killing that dog. You're killing the dog. Get the, call animal control. They're being abusive to the dog. We're not doing that to the dog. We're trying to teach him. You know what? Sometimes people are barking and yelping because God said enough is enough in their life. And we, because we think we know better, we step in their life and we cut the leash and we let them off a hook. Oh, man, someone just needs to hear that. Ooh, Jesus. Holy Ghost, I felt that. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. Some of you are responding to the yelps of someone that God's trying to get them to die to their self and you hear the yelps, and instead of being able to discern what's happening, you step in and try to play Savior, and you cut the leash, and you let them go, and you think you're setting them free, but you're sending them straight to a place of damnation. Telling you this in the Holy Ghost, someone needs to hear me. Parents, some of you are stepping into places with your children when they're on the leash, and you don't want to see your son or your daughter kick against the pricks and oh this is so terrible so you step in as parent and you snip the leash hoping to get them free so they don't have to go through that pain and not realizing what you did you thought you were doing out of love but you stepped in and you cut the tie and severed the tie between the love of Christ and the sovereignty of Christ yes do you want to see that happen and no 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 I don't want to see that happen but we understand that if we don't establish sovereignty we'll never understand and get the true revelation of love but if we don't understand the true revelation of love we'll never understand the reason for sovereignty. Some of you right now are trying to balance this in your life. You'll never understand the full connection to this until you see the cross of Calvary. Because the cross of Calvary is the place, the cross of, cross of Calvary is the place of beauty. That's the place where sovereignty and love meet. Father, Only you and you alone know the intents that I had coming on here today. When I came on here today, Lord, I had fully in thought that you were going to take this in one direction. But God, you are sovereign. You're in control. I've submitted myself to you every time I come on here. And so, God, you have taken over this morning and you have spoken so clearly. The spirit of revelation has been so strong. I felt it. I felt the power of revelation flow through me today to someone that's listening. And Father, I right now, I pray that the word would be mixed with faith. That it wouldn't be just the words of Joel. It wouldn't just be the words of a sunny morning, but it would be divine words spoken from the throne of God and mix it with faith in our life today in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, let our eyes be open. Let the spirit of revelation and more importantly, change the way we think. Let us be transformed today by the renewing of our mind that we can see the the, the true essence of your love and your sovereignty and the place where your sovereignty and love meet is at the foot of your cross. And as you call us to deny and you call us to take up our cross and you call us to follow you, that you're really... Asking us to find the place of sovereignty and love at the foot of the cross, even sometimes the cross that you've called us to bear. I pray today, Lord, that the spirit of revelation will be open our heart today. I pray today that you would reveal to all of us, every single one of us watching today, what you are trying to do in our lives, what you're trying to do through our lives. And that the process that you have is so on, even though sometimes it feels like we're being chastened or not being chastened out of anger, we're being chastened out of love. I thank you, Lord, today for loving us enough to speak to us. I thank you, Lord, today for loving us enough that you have spoken these words to us, even though sometimes, God, they are not easy to hear. But Lord, I thank you. I thank you today. I thank you. I thank you. I want if you just take a moment right where you are, and you would just give God thanks today for speaking to you. Tell God that you're thankful that He loves you enough. Come on, let's do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you today. I pray today that you've heard what's been spoken here today. You've taken it with you've you've heard it with love. You've heard it with the spirit in which it was spoken to today, but more importantly, you've heard and and listened to the revelation of God that is spoken in this today. God bless you. I love you. If you feel like this has touched you or touched some, or touched you or challenged you, share it with somebody. I don't believe this was just exclusive to us today. I believe this can help anybody wherever they are in their walk with God from those that are just starting out to those that have been walking with the Lord for many years. So if you feel, again, we don't get any kind of revenue from it, but if you feel like this would minister or touch somebody, feel free to share it. Share the link, and um, let's see God show us his love and sovereignty.